You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Hope you're looking forward to this special week. So on behalf of the elders and staff, we want to wish you and your family just a wonderful holiday week. One of the things that I appreciate so much about Christmas is the idea of just generosity seems to fill the air. I came through one of my coffee shops this morning, and it was just unusual. The gal knows me. She had a card with Keith on it. Said, hey, Keith, good morning, Merry Christmas. Gave me a card. I opened it up. It's a really cool card and a free cup of coffee. Does it get any better than that? That's the spirit of Christmas. It's just really cool. But where does that spirit come from? Folks, undoubtedly, it comes from our generous God. One of the most profound statements in the New Testament, Jesus said this, it is better to give than to receive. We like to be on the receiving end, but Jesus said it is better, it's more blessed for you to be generous like God. And so we come to a passage this morning that I want to suggest we will see the generosity of God on steroids. It's over the top. We've been in Isaiah chapter 9, 1 through 7. It's a four-week series titled The Real Christmas. Going to give you a moment to turn there. Hopefully, if you have your devices, you'll go uh, there uh, on your Bible app. Or if you have hard copy, which I still prefer, uh, Isaiah 9. Now, my son, Seth, said, Dad, you know, I've been listening to your preaching for 26 years. Is there anything new under the sun? You just going to kind of, you know, regurgitate an old sermon? Where's the love? Where's the love? Uh, The answer is no, Seth, so I hope you got your, your device open, Isaiah 9. I asked the dudes yesterday, I said, so what do you know about Isaiah? Jake's like, I can't even remember about 9-11. What do you mean, Isaiah? So join with me, Isaiah chapter 9, really powerful passage, the generosity of God. I've titled this morning, The Greatest Gift. So follow along. For a child will be born, verse 6, for us. A son will be given to us. You want to talk about generosity. This is God's greatest gift. Of course, The prophet Isaiah is writing 700 years before Jesus would come, and he's forecasting that he would come. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to cover that Wednesday night. Four beautiful attributes of Christ. The dominion will be vast. His prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of who? King David. This is 2 Samuel 7.14, a prophecy that came about a thousand years before the Messiah being fulfilled in Christ and over his kingdom to do what? To establish it, sustain it. How? With justice and righteousness. That's who God is. He's holy, he's just, he's righteous. From now on and... For all eternity, forever. Now, who's behind this grand scheme? Who's behind this beautiful plan? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It is God himself. Now, context is king. Can I paint a real simple picture of what's going on? 700 years before Christ came, 
These are dark and difficult days in Israel. What's dark and difficult? Civil war. Israel's divided, 10 tribes to the north, two to the south. They are cut in half, literally. 200 years of unrighteousness, 19 ungodly kings. And God says, you know what? To the northern 10 tribes, enough. He sends Assyria to discipline them. And the northern tribes cease to exist. Then about 100 years after that, again, more dark and difficult days, Judah follows suit. And God brings in Babylon and disciplines them. But I want you to know something, folks. Look at verse 1. Don't miss this. You missed this statement. You missed the prophecy of Isaiah. What does Isaiah say in the middle of verse 1? In the future. In the future what? In the future, there is coming a day of hope. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Christ. I'm going to bring hope in the midst of despair. And then if you read the next few verses, I'm going to bring light in the midst of darkness. Tara read from John 1. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. This is the gospel. This is Christmas. And this is forecasted. 2 Samuel 7.14, a thousand years. The prophecy of Isaiah, 700 years. And boy, how beautiful. Now, I want to draw your attention to two phrases that's going to be our focus, our attention this morning. Look again at verse 6. Hone in on this. Please don't miss this. A child will be born. A son will be given. To who? To us. This is the greatest gift of God given to humanity. A child will be born. We talked about that last week. Technically, it's called the incarnation. But folks, don't let that mess with your mind. All that simply means is the mighty God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, became man. That's Isaiah 7, 14. A child will be born of a virgin. We'll call his name Emmanuel. That's Micah 5, 2. He'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Although you're the least of the tribes of Israel, out of you will uh, come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That was forecasted 500 years before Christ came. This is God's plan. This is his sovereign will for us. And so last week, we looked at a child will be born. Today, we're going to look at a son will be given. Unless we uh, miss the reality of Christmas, yes, a child was born, Jesus lived, he healed, he, he lived a powerful life, but never make this mistake. A child was born to die. And so in verse 6, you have the incarnation and the crucifixion. A child will be given to us. Given what? As a sacrifice as a gift to pay the penalty for our sin. Now, I want to have you flip over to the New Testament, and I want to create absolute clarity this morning on what that means that a child is given to us, what the greatest gift in life truly is. Many of you are familiar with John 3.16, right? It's a beautiful verse, but this familiar verse has so much. It's pregnant with God's truth. So turn in your Bibles to John 3.16 as you're turning there. We're going to focus on that one verse today. Let me tell you a story. A few years ago, I'm pastoring in Chicago, and one of the things that I did there, as I do here, I try to hang out in coffee shops, build relationships with people, get to know the baristas, the patrons. And this was in Skokie, Illinois, which was very diverse ethnically. 
And so one of the guys I was hanging with, a Jewish fella, his name's Michael, and we just became good friends about my age. One day I come into the coffee shop and there's Michael and he looks at me pretty intently. And he says, Keith, what's the deal about John 3.15? Well, I smiled and I said, I, I think, Michael, you're talking about John 3.16. He says, yeah, yeah, that's it. I watch a baseball game and there's some dude with a big old sign behind the dugout, John 3.16. What's the deal with that? I said, well, Michael, it's real simple. That's one of the core verses, foundational verses of the Bible. In fact, it's the Bible in miniature. You want to know what the Bible teaches? Go to John 3.16. And then I shared with them. I said, Michael, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what happened. It's almost like Michael's eyeballs popped out of his head. He says, you know that verse. I'm like, yeah, Michael, I'm a pastor. You know I'm a pastor. I've been a Christian 40 years. What's the big deal? And so for the next 20, 30 minutes, we got to talk a little bit about what I would call the Bible in miniature. And so for the next 25 minutes, I have the privilege to share with you, and I trust and hope and pray some new truth this morning. So I encourage you, as always, at home and here, grab your Connect card, take notes, learn some new truths, but share it with others, folks. That's the message of hope we have. And so let me start with the blessing. The blessing is this. Each one of us... respond? Will we receive that gift? Now, there's one gift, but there's five packages this morning. Let's take a look. Gift number one, receive God's divine love. And folks, this is the capstone of this message. This is such a beautiful concept. Look at John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. Would you agree with me that love is a ginormous word? And by the way, ginormous is a word. I looked it up. It's truly a word. It's in the dictionary. Glad you came this morning. Okay. So, so it's, it's like an elephant. You know, try to eat it. Where do you begin? How do you define love today? We throw it out kind of flippantly. But you know what? The Greeks, the New Testament was written in Greek, was very precise when it came to love. They had four words regarding love. Let me just cover those quickly. One was eros, erotic, sexual love. The other was phileo, brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The other was storge, love for things. But then this word was coined for the New Testament. It's agape love. And if you're not familiar with agape love, folks, learn about it. Because when it describes God's love, it's always agape. What is agape love? Agape love is unconditional love. It's love of a divine human being for people who are frail and broken and sinful like you and me. That's God's love for us. Now, here's the deal. We could say so much about love, but I chose to camp in one area because I think this really captures who God is. It's in 1 John 3, 1. Let me read that to you. It's on the screen. It's a beautiful statement. Notice how great or how mega is the love the Father has. How about this cool word? Lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And so one of the beautiful pictures of God's love 
is parental love. And I know some of you today grew up like me and that parental love wasn't as positive. There were difficult days growing up maybe in a chaotic home and I sympathize with you, but please hear me. Let's try to put that aside this morning and understand the ideal, understand the biblical and the perfect love of a father. In fact, jump to the Old Testament. Here's what we have, that God's love is likened to a nurturing mother. He cares like a father and mother in our life. One of the things Ellen and I appreciate so much, we saw it this morning. We saw it with people just sharing and the little ones, the the uh, Theodora Wright showing up and just kind of doing that Advent thing and uh, Emily's child. How cool. We're a young church and we see parental love for the children all the time. And folks, it's a treat to watch it. Think in terms of how you love your kids this morning, how great the love of the parental father slash mother is towards us. Now, this morning, I have the privilege to have uh, our three kids here and then Jacob's girl, Nettie. And why are you guys sitting apart? Are you fighting this morning? Always curious, always curious. Who cares? All right, we'll talk about it later. I'll be in, I'll be in trouble. But also, son-in-law and, uh, and then our granddaughter who's three months old. Is that right? Genesis Rose. Can I show you a picture of Genesis Rose? deal, folks. I'm watching. I'm watching my son-in-law and my daughter three months into this journey, and I'm seeing nurture. I'm seeing love. I'm seeing unconditional, because when I tell you, when Genesis is hungry and she's screaming bloody murder, you got to have unconditional love. I just take a walk, okay? <laughs> so I see it, but then what was really fun in recent days is to watch grandma holding Genesis Rose, singing to her, praying over her, changing her. I stay away from all that kind of stuff. But that's the nurturing love. That's the picture. We all get that as parents, right? Take it to the nth degree. God the Father loves us like that so much more. And so let's be real about 2020. It was a difficult year, wasn't it? And some of you in our church contracted COVID, and some it hit you hard. And I know, because I've heard your stories, that you've experienced God's agape love, and what a testimony to his glory and grace. Some of you, 2020, you wish, and you can't wait for it to be over. Why? Maybe you experienced the trauma of divorce. And that's hard, folks. And yet God says, I care, I love you in your brokenness. I want to come alongside you like an unconditional parent who'll love you through thick and thin. Some of you, it's been health issues or finance issues. But regardless of what we're experiencing in this past year, here's the thing. Our Father sees and He cares. How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called His children. And so where does it all start? Receiving his divine love. Secondly, let's continue here. And it's beautiful. Gift number two, receiving his sacrificial love. Again, we're looking at John 3.16. 
continuing on, for God so loved the world, in this way, what did he do? He gave his one and only son. Folks, he gave his best. He gave his only son for you and for me. This is sacrifice. This was God's intention. We talked about it last week, that the lamb Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. This didn't catch God off guard. This wasn't plan B. This was plan A from the foundation of the world. Jesus declared this, John 15. It's beautiful, verse 13. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. That's a beautiful truth. You know, every now and then, we get a picture of this kind of God-like sacrificial love in, in culture and society. One that I stumbled across this past week. Picture this, you're middle-aged, 40-ish. You have on your bucket list, you want to go skydiving. And so here's a gal, I'll show you her picture. Her name is Shirley, and this is her instructor, Dave. And she goes through all the hoops to get ready to go skydiving, right? Uh, training, classroom, this and that. And if you know how skydiving works, right, you're up 11, 12,000 feet, and the instructor's on the top, the student's on the bottom, you jump out of the plane, right? You free fall for a couple 3,000 feet, it's exhilarating, you pull the ripcord, boom, parachute goes, everything's good, you land, you pay up, you go home, and you're happy, bucket list. Well, that was going really well until it came time to pull the ripcord. Shirley's didn't work, it got all tangled up, the backup didn't work either. There they are, Dave and Shirley, free-falling. Can you imagine the speed racing down to the ground? Dave says this, Shirley, open your legs as wide as you can. She did. He flipped the roll. He went from top to bottom. She's now on top. He's on bottom. And they free-falled. Boom! Hit the ground. Shirley walked away unscathed. David's paralyzed today from his neck down. David was interviewed. He told his story. He says, listen, my highest priority was to care for my student, and he did. Why does that inspire us, folks? Why? Because it's rare. It's rare like Jesus. No greater love than one laid down his life for his friends. Jesus calls you and me his friends. He laid down his life for us. Can I use the metaphor? He took the fall for you and me. We were free-falling in sin, and sin brings death. And he says, open. And he reversed the roles. He took the fall, and he paid the penalty. That's great love. That's sacrificial love. That's the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the love we're talking about this Christmas season. One final verse regarding this beautiful love. It's Romans 5.8. Follow along. It's on the screen. God proves, he demonstrates his own love for us in that while we're still sinners, what happens? Christ dies for us. Literally, you could translate this, while we're in the very act of sin, Christ died for us. Christ is hanging at Calvary, a lot of sin going on at Calvary. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. While we're in the very act of sin, Christ offers forgiveness. He offers his sacrifice. He takes the fall for you and me. Folks, gift number one, it's a divine love. Gift number two, it's sacrificial love. Gift number three, receive God's forgiving love. Look again at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, what? Will not perish. 
will not perish. Yes. Sin brings death, not only physical death. The data is in. One out of every one physically dies, 78, 80 years at best. But the real death is spiritual death. The real death is separation from God because of sin. He's holy. He's perfect and righteous. He can't be a part of sin. Now, some of you, maybe online at home, maybe here this morning, you're struggling with this idea of sin. Why? Because we live in a day where things are relative, right? You choose your way, I'll choose mine. It just kind of all comes out in the wash. Who gets the privilege to define sin? Who gets the privilege to make the standard of righteousness? That's a really good question. And by the way, it's a question that Scripture answers constantly. There's only one possible solution to that problem. And the solution is this, God who is absolutely holy, 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 holy is the Lord of hosts, who is absolutely perfect in righteousness. He is the only one who is absolutely holy and righteous, who could set a standard that is absolute for all people, for all places, for all times. There's no other option. If that doesn't happen, then yeah, it's, it's relative, folks. So here is the standard. Let me show it to you. Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. Folks, the standard is the glory of God, his holiness, his righteousness. And sometimes we miss this. We focus on all of us sinning. That's true, right? We've all missed the mark, but miss the glory of God, the ultimate standard. You know, one of our problems today is we kind of, we compare ourselves to each other. I do it all the time. Hey, I'm not like that guy. <laughs> And I feel better about myself, right? We're like the kid who, who wrote a letter to Santa, and the letter said this, Dear Santa, three little boys live at our house. Jeff is two, David's four, Norman's seven. Jeff is good some of the time. David is good most of the time. Norman is good all the time. Santa, my name is Norman. We're like that, folks. We think we're way better than ourselves. Why? We look at others. And then we feel good. Here's the thing. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, his holiness, his righteousness, his perfection. When I look at the Lord and I look at myself after 41 years of Christian, thank God that I understand that I fall short of his glory. And unless Christ imparts his righteousness to me, I'm dead in my sins and trespasses. What a beautiful, beautiful gift, forgiveness. And so back to the standard. Let me show it to you. It's on the screen. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Who's the standard here? It's not my little brother. It's not my neighbor. It's not Hitler or some crazy like that. Be perfect how? As your heavenly father's perfect. He is the standard. Doesn't take a rocket science to suggest this. We've all fallen short of that. Would you agree? No one has lived perfectly like God the Father. And so then we need a different way of salvation if we can't do it ourselves. Isaiah gives us the answer back to the gospel of Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 25. It is I who sweep away your transgressions for my name's sake and remember your sins no more. Folks, think about that. I've lived a number of decades and I've had some memories over the years that are very painful. I wish I could remember those things no more. They just don't go away. 
They're a part of my life and part of my journey. You know what God says about you and me? In Christ, he remembers our sins no more. He'll never bring them up in our face. He, in his sovereignty, deletes them. Paid in full. Canceled. That is the gospel. And boy, what a beautiful way to stand before a holy and righteous God. Because of Christ's righteousness, we have our debt paid in full. So, receive what? Receive God's divine love. Receive his sacrificial love. Receive his forgiving love. Let's continue on. Gift number four, receive his eternal love. Look at John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I wish I had more time to unpack this, but if we could comprehend somehow, some way, the idea of eternity, it's almost impossible because we are so finite. But let me give you kind of a picture. So Ellen and I, a few weeks ago, were hiking Zion National Park. And we hiked four days, probably hiked a little bit too much. One day we're in Zolub Canyon, four hours in, four hours out, 42,000 steps. I was tired. The last hour was a thousand foot ascent. Doesn't sound like a big deal, when you're seven hours into your trip, it's a big deal. And so we are just hiking. We're looking forward to getting to the car, to the parking lot, to get a drink, to, just to take a break. And I was saying to myself, this feels like an eternity. It's a great figure of speech, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> it was like an hour. How do we comprehend eternity? How do we do it? It's just impossible. But here's if I can encourage you. The average lifespan in America, and it's very good, 78 years. 78. Can we just comprehend just in the history of humanity versus all eternity? So wouldn't it be wise today to think through your life and prepare for eternity and not so much focus on the right now, the here and today? Be prepared, and that's one of the great missions of Christ, is to prepare you for everlasting life. And now finally, gift number five, and it's fun. Receive God's gracious gift today. It's in the passage, look at John three sixteen again. For God so loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so everyone who believes, folks, this is a gospel for all people, for all places, for all times. It goes all the way back to Genesis. Abraham, guess what? I'm going to bless all nations on earth through your seed, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. It's everywhere. And so Peter preaches this great sermon in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. A lot of Jews are there from all around the Mediterranean world. And here's what he says. Let me read it to you. Acts 2.21, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from their sin. Saved from death. Saved from eternal condemnation. John 3.17-18. And live forever. What a blessing. The Apostle John put it this way, and I'm going to close with this. John 1.12. 
But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. And so here's the beautiful thing. You're going to receive a bunch of gift, gifts this Christmas, right? And so someone comes up to you, gives you gifts. You say, thank you. You rip it open. You're all happy. This is cool. You take a few pictures. You receive that gift. John is very clear. For as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he's giving you the right to become his child. Back to the parental love. God the Father, a nurturing mother. We're going to close this morning hearing from one of our elders. His name is Greg Argenbright. Let's check out Greg's story. Good morning, folks. Uh, good to talk to you this morning. I wanted to share just a little bit about my uh, coming to Christ. Uh, happened many years ago. Some of you have heard a little bit of my testimony. But I grew up in a large home, but also a very religious home. We never missed church services Sunday. We never missed uh, catechism Saturday. That might give you an indication of the kind of home I grew up in. I saw my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents every time I went to church. So church was a huge part of our family culture. And my parents took it seriously, so we did too. But I remember uh, getting to about age nine or 10 and just being aware of the fact I sinned. I didn't measure up to the commandments that I was learning about, uh, to the instruction I was hearing. I knew that occasionally I told lies. I knew that occasionally I took things that didn't belong to me. I knew that occasionally I might have pounded a brother or sister on the shoulder. All these things came to mind when I was nine, 10 years old, and I felt this huge burden of not being right with God because I wasn't keeping his commandments. So what did I do? I tried harder. I worked harder at making sure I didn't miss church, that I didn't tease or bother my younger brothers and sisters. It's really a story about my childhood uh, working hard to get right with God. But by the time I reached my high school years, you know what? I gave up. I broke God's commandments so many times, and the harder I tried, the worse things seemed to get. I finally gave up. Uh, I, I didn't try to please God anymore. And it was right along about then, I was 18 years old, that someone took time to share the good news from the Bible, the gospel, that Jesus did all the right things and that God was willing to forgive me because of what Jesus had done. And so that day I heard the gospel. It was liberating. It set me free. I understood the grace of God in truth and I received God's righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. Finally, I felt peace with God. I want to close this morning with an illustration. And so on the table behind me are six gifts. Two to my left are for children. Four to my right are for adults. 
Just so you know, these are pretty decent gifts. They're from your pastor. Um, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to ask uh, probably Seth. You got your phone ready, buddy? Can you do a stopwatch? Yeah, so here's the deal. We're offering you a gift. It's Christmas, right? Generosity. We're going to give you the freedom to two for the kids, my left, four for the adults. Come one, come all. But, you know, whoever gets there first wins. So we're going to give you 60 seconds right now to enjoy uh, receiving a gift from your pastor. Uh, God bless you. Merry Christmas. See what happens. Yeah. That's the kiddos. Yeah, there you go, buddy. All right. Three left. Yeah, kids, if you want to get the adults, man, bad on them. You know, there's some good stuff in there, let me tell you. Everybody's staying away from the book. I guess I'll take the book. How much time, Seth? 30 more seconds. Come on. Come on down. All right. I like it. Do you like coffee? You can give it to mom or dad. All right, how, many, how much time, Seth? All right, so we have 15 seconds left. So here's the deal. Here's the deal, folks. I did that for a reason, and it could have went either way. You could have just like, boy, this is weird, and I'm not participating. Kate, Caitlin, thanks for breaking the ice. But isn't it interesting that God offers something so remarkable, the free gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. That's remarkable. Friends, I was 19 when I heard that message of hope. 19. It took about a year to take hold of my heart and my mind and my life. And when it did, everything changed. It's Christmas 2020. Have you received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord? Have you received the gift of his divine love? It's a parental love and so much more unconditional. Sacrificial love. He paid the penalty. He did for us. He took the fall. Forgiving love. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. That's beautiful. Two more points. What else? I preached it and I forgot. What's point number four? Come on. Eternal love, way to go. You took notes? I'm proud of you. And then finally receive the gift today. I want to give you an opportunity at home and here today. When I became a Christian, I called upon the name of the Lord. That's scripture. All that means is I'm confessing Christ. I'm saying, God, I need you. And I turn from my sin that's called repentance. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. So can we take just a moment? And bow our heads in this sacred moment. Close our eyes. And if you're watching at home and God has opened your heart, he's worked in your heart, you want to receive Christ. If you're here today, you've never done that. You believed, but you haven't received. And today you want to accept the gift of God through Jesus Christ. I invite you to call upon the name of the Lord. How do you do that? You can pray a prayer in your heart. The prayer isn't mystical or magical. What is really beautiful is the faith being expressed to the Lord. So if it's your desire to put your faith and trust in Christ, pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for your divine love. I thank you for paying the penalty for my sin through Christ. And today, I receive forgiveness. I repent of my sin. I put my faith and trust in Christ. Thank you for the hope of eternal life. Today, I choose Christ. Help me to live for you, Father, from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, if you made that decision, we celebrate that with you. Merry Christmas. Best decision I made in life. And we want to encourage you, tell someone, talk to someone. We want to help you in the journey. Now, at home, hopefully you're prepared for communion. Here, live, we want to close our service today celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's Christmas. It's the greatest gift. So there should be a prepackaged communion If you would, please uh, tear off the top, and what you'll find is a wafer. At home, hopefully you have a cracker, bread, some sort of juice, and then you tear off the other one, and you'll have juice. And so, as you prepare, let me just share a few thoughts, and really it's just piggybacking on all that we've talked about today. Think about what Christ did for you and for me. His body, which this bread represents, was broken, so ours doesn't have to be. He took our fall. His blood was shed so we could live forever and live in this new covenant. That's the gift. That's the greatest gift. That's what Isaiah talked about. Unto us a child is born. And folks, please don't miss this. Unto us a son is given. So let's eat. Let's drink together celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ this Christmas season. Pray with me, please. Father, we stand in awe of you. Thank you today for your divine love. It's overwhelming, Lord. I know... (laughs) For 28 years, I've tried to love my kids like you, but fall so short. And yet, when I look at your parental love, my goodness, it's perfect. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving all our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you for the hope we have in this life and for all eternity. Thank you for the privilege to receive the greatest gift in life, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray.